0: So I'll speak briefly from Bhagavad-gita, following our discussion thus far, coming as we are toward the end of the sixth chapter, dealing with the Stanga yoga and here, the emphasis on bhakti, it's uh, the primary emphasis throughout the Bhagavad-gita, and um, it's unavoidable. In this context, the discussion between Bhagawan and Bhakta, Shri Krishna and Arjun starts to come to the fore. Arjuna asked a couple of questions, raised some doubts about the practicality of yoga and the possibility of controlling the mind. Arjun encouraged him by telling him it's possible by practice, by detachment, and by indicating as well by referring to him affectionately in terms of their family bond that he would be there for him and thus certainly he would be successful but Arjun raises another doubt here he says ayati shrayo peto yogach chalita manasaha aprappy yoga kam kamgatim Krishna Gachati. O Krishna what destination befalls one who although possessed of faith is nevertheless uncontrolled what happens to one whose mind has fallen away from yoga without having achieved perfection O mighty armed is he not lost in his pursuit of transcendence like a riven cloud with no solid footing in either world? These are my doubts, O oh Krishna. Please cut through them. Further than you, no one is capable of destroying them completely. Sri Bhagavan Vacha. Bhagwan Sri Krishna said, Partha, Naiveha, Namutra, tata so, here Arjun is being encouraged to pursue yoga and spiritual life. And spiritual and experiential, spiritual life I mean, is distinct in a sense from religious life. Religious life has uh, been critiqued considerably, lately in the public, and even that, perhaps not that uh, accurate of a representation of religious life, but despite that, experiential spiritual life, and uh, perhaps to refer to it in a more popular way, although it's not popular. Mysticism has not been attacked in the same way in the media and uh, from scientific community and some people in the scientific community and so forth. So I want to say, as I have, there's a distinction between religious life and spiritual life, and we we find this distinction in the Vedanta, in the the discourse, if you will, of... uh, Mimamsa. There are Pūva Mimamsa and Uttar Mimamsa. Pūva Mimamsa and means beginning. Uttar means end. Mimamsa means like what? Discourse or dissertation or exploration. exploration. So Pūva Mimamsa, the beginning exploration into the nature of truth is a religious one. Therefore it begins, the Pūva Mimamsa, with a statement something like Patato Dharma Jignasu. Now is the time to inquire about religious life, and and it's addressing human beings. So it may be appropriate to say that the now refers to now, the time in which we live, which is human time. Those of us here today, we live in human time. We've lived in other times. Now we live in human time, human frame of reference, and we have the opportunity as a result of that to inquire and make a religious inquiry which is the facility for doing such is not available in the lesser complex forms of life but the idea is that if one is makes that inquiry sincerely and that exploration and uh, as a result of that develops some faith in the invisible, so to speak, in the Godhead, in the world, beyond, in the supernatural, then he or she becomes qualified for a deeper inquiry into the same subject matter. And therefore the Mimamsa begins with atato brahma There may be yoga sutra, but atato yoga Jignasu. Perhaps it begins like that. And there may be Rasa-Jegnasu, it could have, Chaitanya, Charitamrita could have begun like this, or the Bhagwat. But um, all of these latter inquiry into Brahma, inquiry into yoga, inquiry into, into Rasa, it's all inquiry into experiential spiritual life to one extent or another. And there's a distinction between this and religious life. And Arjuna, as we've heard earlier in the Gita, is a very religious man. He's religiously, morally very stout and uh, responsible and dharmic. And, um, it's good to conduct our lives in a dharmic way. The normal course, as I'm explaining, is that one will do so, and upon being truly religious or dharmic, one becomes qualified to inquire further. In other words, there are texts that govern human life and teach us how to color it in all of its aspects with um, with a religious uh, brush, so to speak. In other words, how to bring all of our human activities in touch with the divine, whether it be making babies, uh, um, getting married, uh, burying or cremating the dead, honoring the the passing of. Friends and relatives, and so forth, all these growing up, eating your first grains, whatever may be the case, attaining puberty, and so on, all these passages of, in, in life are, are, and these dharmic texts are tied, are colored, uh, they're, they're, they're brought in connection with the divine through different rituals observances, and so on and so forth. This is the basic idea then of religious life played out differently in different traditions but in the Vedic tradition in the in in the the Hindu tradition then, then when you apply yourself in relation to the texts of religious orientation of religious revelation then you get the result if you do it just right in Dharma or karma same idea in the realm of karma this is religion in the realm of karma that we're speaking about. In this realm, what's important is to do everything right according to the scriptural injunction, to do it perfectly. If you don't do it perfectly, you won't get the result. So technique is very uh, important there. And uh, rules are very important. This is the low end of the religious spectrum. And in the high end of the religious spectrum in rasa, tattva, then we find in, in, in Krishna Lila the, 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 that there's very little love in rules. In fact, it's sometimes said where there are rules, there's no love. And where there's love, there's no rules. Rules are kind of a breakdown of love. If you and I live in the same room and we... Same house, we get along with one another after a while, we start to meet with our own idiosyncrasies and, and there's a clash. I like to stay up late at night and you like to go to bed early and so forth. And so... After a while, in order to salvage the whole thing, we maybe make a list of, I'll do this and you'll do that, and we'll make some rules and put it on the wall, and we'll abide by the rules, and we'll, this way it's a kind of a dutiful or rule-guided loving relationship, which is kind of a shallow idea of love, which is... Is so natural and spontaneous, and, uh, and you think of me, and I think of you, without having to think about it, and so forth. So, on the low end of the spectrum, then there's a religious and loving approach to God that is rule-oriented, and on the high end, then the heart is is fully involved, and the rules are largely retired into the background. You can't jump to the ladder, however, except by one means. The ordinary course is what? We apply ourselves in a dharmic way and and by doing so and placing our faith in the religious texts and conducting ourselves appropriately, we get a result. When we get the result, the faith grows. We become more interested in revelation, the sacred texts and so forth and 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 so we inquire more deeply and 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 we find out there's something beneath the the surface of the whole religious affair which is meant to bring our human life give it a a a godly color we look deeper we find that that actually what the real teaching is is that we are not humans we're in human dress there's something more to us we're of the nature of, of of brahman of consciousness and so we inquire into that and so forth. This is the normal progression. So we can't jump from the low end of the religious spectrum to the high end. We can't jump from adharmic life to the uh, enter into the Krishna Leela with our shoes on, so to speak. Except by one means, that, we, that this there's a shortcut. What is that? By sadhusanga. By sadhusanga then we may become qualified to inquire into Brahma, into Rasa, and so forth. And by proper inquiry in, re- in relation to the sadhu, then we can be brought there in a gradual way. We can, for example, take to bhakti, despite our shortcomings, and we will become religious in the context of that. We will become dharmic in the context of that, in an essential Sense, without having to be troubled by so many rules and regulations and techniques and uh, and so forth, there are rules of bhakti. That is another thing. There are some rules, as much as there can be in in a, in a path of love. The rules are like Prabhupada put it: love and trust. You trust me. <laughs> a little more to than that, but there's a compared to the dharma. Shastras and the Karma Marg. If you make a comparison, you say this has no rules whatsoever. There is a rule how to open your eyes, how to close your eyes, how to how to breathe out of your nostrils, how to how to uh, how to eat with what hand, how to evacuate, and, and uh, everything. <laughs> it's very extremely rule oriented, and there's a purpose to that, of course, for all of our human functions and and all our There's a way to do them that brings us in touch with the divine. It's it's, it's a way of teaching us that we're not free agents entirely. We're dependent entities, actually. And our well-being will be looked to, uh, tendered to, if we identify ourselves as such. If we identify, for example, the fact that in order to see with my eyes, I'm dependent upon the sun microcosm, so to speak, universe of myself, with its eyes can see only if I take into consideration the macrocosmic powerful feature of nature, the sun, that 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 presides over the power of seeing. And so in the Dharmashastra and Karma Marga there'll be a sacrifice to acknowledge the sun, the sun god. Surya Namaskar in the yoga we have also some of you may be familiar with this. So make the connection with the fact that our life is not independent our senses that our material self is made up of uh, they're they're dependent upon other aspects of nature powerful aspects of nature nor them to for them to function and afford us uh, the, the life we might choose so there's wisdom in that and so forth but by good company, by sadhusanga, and is mentioned in this Vedanta Sutra, then one can immediately come to inquire about, about Brahman. It's kind of a shortcut by good company. So anyway, there are these two tiers. There's, we may call it experiential spiritual life, and then there's religious life. And we all come here, we come here for experiential spiritual life, more than for religious, religious life. The two kind of go together, but uh, one transcends the other. And Arjuna is referring to this here. After all, as I say, he's a very religious person, unlike many of us. He has such good qualification from a, a religious point of view to, to inquire into Brahman. When Krishna hears him in the, in, the, in the first chapter, all of his reasons why he doesn't want to fight... He's a parent, oh, he's a very, not that our Christian didn't know, but he makes it apparent to us, oh, he's very religious. Very religious means he's very qualified to inquire about Brahman. Therefore, Christian did not hesitate to begin in the second chapter to speak to him about Brahman and dismiss all of his religious concerns. Oh, all the religious concerns, they're very important, yes, but you're not that body. Anyway, I want to take it to a higher level. So the implication in one sense is that he was very qualified from a dharmic point of view to inquire into Brahman, which follows. Now, as I as to say, we may take a shortcut through good association, but that good association, as I've mentioned, will engage us in such a way, for example, in the context of bhakti, that we understand that our progress will be understood, it will be understood that we've made progress to the extent that by applying ourselves in the context of bhakti, we start to become dharmic as well. Don't think that, that you'll start today and you'll be dancing with Krishna tomorrow. That whole of Leela it has a whole dharmic underpinning, a whole underpinning foundation of, of, of knowledge, of jnana. It's like um, Pujabhita Srinamarsha once gave an example that the Vrindavan Leela of Krishna, Radha Krishna, their divine play, he said, like the United States is a very powerful country, powerful military-industrial complex. But in the country, you never see missiles and uh, tanks and uh, big military parades, very, very, you know, maybe on some special occasion of uh, honoring the... I mean, I've never seen one, so you never see. But they have a huge military force, as we know. But you never see it. But if the country should be attacked, then it will come out from everywhere: right? missiles everywhere, and shields, and and so forth. But so he said, Brindaban is something like this. Hmm? There's no need for knowledge there, and it appears adharmic almost. Hmm? Gopis are leaving. In the dead of the night to meet with Krishna and it's not appropriate according to the culture. This is called Parakia. It's a very special idea. But it appears not only that it has, that it's lacking in Dharma, but it also appears it's lacking in knowledge. They're just cow people. They're not learned and they're not studying the Upanishads there and so forth. But, the fact that uh, Dharma and Gan are built into that—it's supra-religious, and it's so not so. Uh, the knowledge is so great, so it's the end of knowledge. Krishna says, rajavidyam Rajukhuyam, Pavitram, Idamudam, Utamam. Patjaksam, Agamam, Damam, Susukam, Kartam, Abhyayam." And then, what is it? What does he say? Man mana bhakto. huh? He says, I'm going to speak about the king of knowledge, the highest knowledge. We are on the edge of our seat. What powerful thing will he talk about? And hmm? Raju Guiham, the most secret of all secrets. This is the ninth chapter, the center of the Gita. Krishna is very emotional here about bhakti. He says, I'm going to speak about the highest knowledge and the highest, the most secret of all secrets. Sometimes people call it, this must be the, 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 uh, Raj Yoga. And they think the Raj Yoga means that this given in the ninth chapter, it's the Yoga of Knowledge. Because Krishna says, I'm going to give you the King of Knowledge. So, but what, what he says at the end of the chapter, he tells us what that knowledge is. Manmana, bhavamadbhakto, madhyaji, mam, namaskar. And Arjuna's already do, doing this. He says, Here's the end of all knowledge, the king of all knowledge. Just be my devotee. And we look, what is, this? there must be something more than that. Just, uh, just offer respect to me. Manmana, mad bhakti. Just think about me. That's all, that's the end of all knowledge. That's everything. That is bhakti. Love. In love, then, there's a kind of knowing within love that is essential. No extra knowledge. No add-ons, no aishwarya, just to, that you can show your your yourself uh, for, your, for your learning and so on. Essential knowledge, you know what to do. When you love, you know what to do. And you do it. He said this bhakti, this is the end of knowledge. But it's, it expresses itself in such a way that it appears almost as if it's... Uh, Ignorance. I once had a conversation with a fellow during a, during a, 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 we had a discussion in a group and I was speaking about bhakti and the fellow said, you know, for a, for a janana, you sure got a lot of bhakta. I said, <laughs> I said, it's gyan and it's bhakti. But yeah, I said, <laughs> <laughs> there's there's a lot of Gyan in bhakti. There's a lot of gan. Gyan means knowledge. He, he he was a he he prided himself as being a gani, but he couldn't even pronounce the term. He called it janana. So anyway, I, I say there's a, he, he said, he said, he prefaced his statement. He said, you know, in our sect, he said we're we're jananis, and some of the some of the women are are bhaktis and they love the guru and i guess that's okay but but janana is the you know the highest thing and i'm surprised for because for a, for a bhakti you've got a lot of janana <laughs> <laughs> so i explained to them it's gyan and it's 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 uh it's bhakti yeah and there's gyan in bhakti there's a lot of gyan in bhakti it's in in in, in fact Bhakti is the highest expression of jnana, the fullest expression of jnana. As I said earlier, other day, if you love someone, then they will tell you all their secrets. What will be left to be known by you then? If you approach the Godhead for knowledge, which he has, then he'll give you detachment. He'll give you Bhairagya, but not Raga. He won't give you attachment to himself because that's not what you want. You want knowledge only. If you go for karma, something for material things, then he'll give you that also. But that won't bring you close to him. But if you go for, to serve him, then naturally he'll he want to embrace you. Oh, you're coming to love me. Well, then that's another thing. Then you get me. If you want knowledge, I can give you knowledge you want material acquisition, I give you that too. You want me, how how audacious. So you have such a high idea, you want me. I, I'm inclined to that though, that's my nature. I'm a lover by nature, so I find that appealing. So what will be left to be known then for you? So this point is that this brindavan, there you have milkmaidens, cow, cow people, gopas and gopis, why are they depicted like this and envisioned like this by the mystics in bhakti it means something too it means that 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 love has come to the point that knowledge is a burden we call Gan Shunya Bhakti knowledge unencumbered love unencumbered by the need to know therefore they don't know that Krishna is God and you know what in their company he doesn't know it either. So, what is the power of love then, that it can retire knowledge, the knowledge of Bhagawan of himself? He, at Krishna, really is Jashodanandan. This is who he really is. It's not that he's playing a role that I'm the son of Jashoda, but actually I'm God, and I know that. Sometimes you'll get a flash of insight. But for the most part, he is the son of the Shodha. The, 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 the Balabha wanted to have an explanation of Nam from Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. And he had his own explanation. Mahaprabhu would not entertain it. When Balabha pushed, Mahaprabhu finally said, what is Harinam? And Harinam means the name of Hari. He said, all I know is he is Jashoda Sham Shamsundar, who's suckling the breast of Jashoda, the beautiful dark boy, He's saying Krishna Naam is Krishna. Krishna is not different than his name. And Krishna, the person, is the son of Yashoda. That's who he is. He's Sundar. He is that identity that is formed in relation to his bhakta. He is one with the love found in the heart of his devotee. This is Achintya Vedaved. If you're therefore if you want to find Krishna, where will you look? You look in the heart of this devotee, where there's love for him, that's where he's present. He's more there than anywhere else. Therefore we are involved in Vaishnavism. Mm-hmm. Our concern is with the with the devotees. That's Krishna's concern. He's so Krishna Akashini. Krishna means who attracts. But he becomes attracted and controlled, conquered by the love of his devotees. So he, Krishna, the, the, the form of Krishna, the person of Krishna corresponds with that love. And it's so powerful that the, the ego, if you will, of the Godhead, this comes, sometimes comes out here, Aham sarvasya I'm everything, Krishna says, everything comes from me. This becomes covered over. And you want to know which is he more? Is he more the God or is he more the son of Yeshoda? Is he more the son of Yeshoda? This is where you really find him in bhakti. That's where you find him. So, this plane of Vrindavan, difficult to understand. But when somebody comes from there, when one of those milkmaidens, gopis, she has no education, she just knows how, just practical things. How to milk cows. If you, I tell you, Frank, if you want to go there, you're going to have to learn how to milk a cow. So it, she knows how to milk cows. She knows how to make butter. Nothing important. They know how to make real food, that's all. A science that's been lost largely in the, in the corporate uh, world. But that's another thing. Anyway, if that gopi or gopa should come here, then what do we find? This is a different plane here. This is not the plane of love. This is not the plane of dharma. But if the gopi comes from there to here, we find, oh, she is so dharmic and so knowledgeable. Nana shastra vikarana iknipano samsthapako lokano mitakarano karo Hita, hita karano, nana iknipuno, the gopi came from there, Sri Rupa Manjari, came here, in a sadhaka-deha, in the body of a spiritual practitioner, as Rupa Goswami, and nana shastra vichara neka sadharma samsthapako he and his associates, Sanatan Prabhu, Siddhiva Goswami, Raghunathas, Raghunathapad, these six Goswami, they took this revelation, scripture, and they showed a command of this. It's absolutely mind-boggling, absolutely mind-boggling. If you read Gita, that you understand the import of it. what Sanatan Prabhu was doing. there, the first book of Gaudiya Sampradaya. I'll give you an example the whole of the entirety practically, of the Hindu religious community interprets moksha liberation Mukti largely to be the goal of life to be the end of knowledge and Sanatana Prabhu was pointed out in Brigad, he he said it in Brigad Bhagavatam actually it's ignorance Mukti is ignorance now that is a very heavy statement. And but he's then he's shown it all. <laughs> he's demonstrated it. This is that people are striving for this Mukti. It says it in Bhagavatam. It's right he, he, and he brings it out and shows them other places. What command of this revelation he has. Un, uncanny. Bhagavatam says both Mukti liberation and and uh, and its antithesis bondage are both ignorance after all from the vantage point of the Sun there is no day and there is no night that's a that's a vantage point that's for that's that's not the Sun's vantage point anyway there's more to it than that but this is a, this to give you one example it's a huge statement you, you will recoil and think, what? That's the, you have, because you have some gan, some scar, and you have your bhakti is not, you know, anya shunyam shunyam karmadi anabritam, anukulena krishnanu Bhakti bhaktiruttama, you only have some value in the idea of mukti. <laughs> so we recoil a little bit from that. He's saying, mukti is ignorance? And everybody thinking it is a, such an important, I mean, I can agree the prema is greater, mukti, it takes one beyond mukti, it's, But still, mukti must be some kind of knowledge. (laughs) It cannot be ignorance. This is his statement. So, the command of revelation on the part of this village girl appearing in Sadhaka day as a sadhu in this world is unfathomable. This is just one example. If you read Satsandarva then, Jiba Goswami is giving the argument that you couldn't possibly come up with against the position that he's taken. He takes a position. And then he argues against it with arguments that you just couldn't come up with yourself. He's basically taking the opposition to his point, digging a hole, putting it inside, and building a temple on top. There's no escaping. Such knowledge, point be and so dharmic they were. We're frightened by the Goswami's Renunciation is, the, is a corollary of gyan, of, of knowing. Because if you know, then you don't pursue things that are temporary in the pursuit of enduring happiness. Mm-hmm. The standard of their renunciation was extraordinary. What it? we say? Sankhya puva ka nama Nidra hara vihara kari vijito. Sankhya puva ka nama Nidra ahara. Sleep, eat. Nidra hara. Practically, they, they forgot to sleep. They forgot to eat. So, the point is what? Is that that plane of Vrindavan that looks rather ordinary, aprakrita it's full of knowledge. And if someone from there comes here in a plane of doubt, in a plane of adhārma and ignorance, then that's when that knowledge is going to show just like in the United States if someone should attack it then all the cannons will come out and it's all there but it's all in the background so that people can carry on happily and so forth so this knowledge is Dharma is there in Vrindavan it's in the ground it's, 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 it's in the foundation of everything it's beyond that but it gets in the way so it's put kind of uh, under the rug and so, so that the Leela may play itself out but we cannot just jump from here to there. We will we will make a connection there to Guru Parampara and attach ourselves there. And by applying ourselves in relation to that appropriately, we find ourselves becoming dharmic, we find ourselves becoming self realized, we find ourselves becoming all in the context of developing attachment for Krishna. You you, you by approaching in this way you will get raga, and what is then vairagya, detachment, that is just a small thing. If you're attached to something else, then the other thing you can leave behind. If you're attached to Krishna, then worldliness can be left behind. So, Arjuna, he's very dharmic, he's very religious. He qualified to hear about Brahman. He's qualified to hear about rasa and about bhakti-tattva. And Krishna's been encouraging him all along through these first six chapters. Now, he's explained the discipline of yoga and the high ideal of this. And Arjuna has some doubt. His doubt today is what? If I apply myself in relation to experiential spirituality, then I will be foregoing the dharmic path. I'll come out of the Dharma marg Karma mark, and I'll come to this mark. So, but I'm, it's a difficult. It's, it sounds difficult. I might not be successful. So then, what will become of me? Then I'll be responsible for foregoing religious duties and so forth. So that then I'll I have to re- reap the repercussions. I'll be adharmic. Then I'll be nowhere in that sphere. And if I'm not successful in, in yoga, then I'll be nowhere in that sphere. So he's given an example, just like a cloud forms in the sky and then dissipates. I'll be like that, a riven cloud. This is my fear. And so some of you are now coming forward to enter formally into experiential spiritual life in a, in a, in a systematic way, practicing under good guidance and so forth. And you may wonder, oh, maybe I won't be successful. Then what will happen to me? I'm making a statement here, treading this path, and then what will happen to me not that you come from the most dharmic backgrounds, all of you, but you have good association, so shortcut, but uh, you may question, what if I'm not successful? what if I can't? Uh, um, what if I succumb to my lower nature, then what? what will become of me? fair enough fair enough to think like that, but People often, not often, but sometimes ask me, what is the qualification for initiation? What is the answer? And the answer is wrong question. That's the wrong question. You're thinking there's something that you can do to qualify yourself for this. That is the wrong idea. You understand? That is to get connection with Krishna, Bhakti, through Guru Parampara, that is a grace only. That is a generosity of of Krishna and His and His uh, devotees. That's all. What can I do on my part to qualify myself? you cannot work your way up there, so to speak. I mean, if they take notice of you, of uh, their kindness, that is another excuse for acting in an irresponsible way and so forth. But it's it's a. It's a we, we are standing in a line. Forget mercy, that is the idea, grace. Mm. And we may find that someone goes ahead of us. We can't complain then. I was here first. Then you'd be sent to the back of the line. Mm. <laughs> don't ask for justice, otherwise we'll all be condemned here. And we don't want that. We are appealing for mercy. This is bhakti, for grace. We're thinking. I have no qualification. That's why I'm here. <laughs> That's why I came here. I came to Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's lineage because I have no qualification. He's patit pavana, kaliyuga pavana. Kaliyuga means lack of qualification. Time that that atmosphere, that environment. He's come at that time. So don't think uh, what is my qualification. I have no qualification, that's my qualification. The more I recognize that, what qualification do we have to even discuss about such a thing as the private love life of Krishna? You know what that is? uh, We don't know what that is. We know something about about it. That's the grace of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. The doors of Goloka have been opened like this, such an opportunity if the world would understand then there would be no other story told what he what he what he has given said so you study the, I mean it's not an exaggeration if you study the thing carefully you see this is a very extraordinary you're beginning you you, can be invited to liberation mukti that's fine salvation end of karma to have a beautiful vision of the Godhead or somebody talking about entering into the private life of Krishna I mean, you know, even wonder, does he have one? What is he talking about? Yes. That, that news has been given by Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. What is there in Bhagavat and so forth. So what is our qualification for that? We should be very clear. That is a uh, That possibility that, that possibility is grace only. An Anarpita-charin-charat-karunayabhattina karo samarapaitam unato-churasam sabakti sriyam. Anarpitacharimcharat Karuna no Karuna. It comes from compassion, kindness, generosity of bhakti. Of Mahaprabhu Sri Chaitanya. So Arjun has a doubt what will become of him if he's not successful. We shouldn't worry too much about that. Not in a in a neurotic sense but some concern is a sign of sincerity. I want to do this right as best I can. So, that's appropriate. But we haven't got to worry is Krishna's response here. He very affectionately, he responds to Arjuna. He says, what, did we read it? He says, He said, you're doing the right thing by doing this. You are sincere. Hmm. And and my he says Tata, dear, my dear one dear one, like almost like my my dear son. This is his language. Don't think like that that you won't be successful. You see, if you understand bhakti, then you understand that you will be successful. Because it's not dependent upon your ability, other than your ability to attract the grace of Advanced abilities of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu of Krishna. So you have to make an effortless effort. You have to push. Don't push yourself forward. Push yourself backward. Something like that. Hmm. To develop humility. Hmm. Other paths will require you to have some exertion on yourself. Look at yoga. All that exercise and this is Kind of outward. Exertion, bhakti is a different. It's it, make yourself such that you're a, a fit recipient for for grace, kindness. The task is very difficult. If you want to get the attention of a very powerful person, how will you do that? Very important, big person. Just to insist. I want to see him. And I should be able to, and so. No, but somehow, if you can attract his attention, maybe you maybe you can befriend a friend of his, a dear one of his, something like that. Mm-hmm. Somehow to position yourself to get some sympathy. This is the idea. So there's no question of not being successful in bhakti, because the, 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 the success depends on on other others being generous towards us, and they are. That's why they've extended their hand in the first place. No, you success may be more rapid or may take a little longer time but it all depends on understanding this point actually this is what understands what it it depends upon so arjuna has been assured by krishna who's spoken very affectionately you'll be successful here tonight he's going to go on and explain what happens to yogis that uh, and and those pursuing spiritual life who don't complete the path and how they come back and they have a scar for it They continue it again in the next life naturally and so forth. Hari Priya asks about faith, belief, and how you know Christianity you've got to believe. In Bhakti, actually, it's not quite like that. Faith will come in time, but if you touch fire you'll get burned, whether you believe it's hot or not. Hmm? So this is a real thing. And it means what it means is that Krishna is reaching out for us. And Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, he said he gave it to everybody who asked and the Tananda Prabhu gave it to those who, who refused. So, it's, it's Nam is a little bit aggressive in his outreach. And once he makes it, once he once he touches you and you respond a little bit, you say, all right, then you're purchased now. I'll pick you up later on. <laughs> Maybe. I'll be back for you. Something like that. So, with that, I will say a few words. Then, Krishna Nam. Very aggressive. I said the other day how he's like a thief. So he doesn't care for the high walls we may build around our hearts. He's going to go there anyway. And that's good for us. It is through his name that Krishna makes himself most accessible. Therefore, although there is no difference between Krishna Nam and Krishna, the name of Krishna and Krishna, there is still a difference. At the same time, there is no difference, but there is a difference. The difference is that in the form of the name, he makes himself more readily accessible. So there's generosity there. And then here we have an instance in which the name is distributed by the most generous form of Krishna, in the form of Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, his Gaudiya, Sampradaya. So in Krishna, uh, Nam, not different from Krishna, therefore Krishna Nam is independent. Nam same, independent. The measure to which he's independent is also mentioned in, in the texts, the sacred text, by way of telling us that he doesn't depend upon diksha. Diksha means initiation. This is an initiation, a dis- discussion about initiation. Harinam is independent. So how will we think about that? Doesn't In other words, he can do what he wants. How we think about that? We think about, oh, what does he want? He can do what he wants whatever he wants, he's not dependent upon anything. But he wants something. He wants that what? That we will t- learn to take advantage of him from someone who has taken advantage. Therefore, there is the Nam initiation of sort. What it means is that we will chant, you can chant Hare Krishna in your sleep. You can say, Oh, Hare Krishna. Did you see Hare Krishna? There he was. I saw him, those guys on the street or something like that. Yeah, so... Krishna's name is there, on your tongue, and you don't even understand that that is his generosity. He's gone there. That will happen. But after some time, by good company and so forth, you may understand some of these topics and then be interested and then want to pursue it in a systematic way under good guidance. This is progress. And so then that means to chant in a particular way, in a prescribed number of times and with certain and to embrace certain things that will be favorable to the chanting that will create a conducive environment and so forth you're serious about it, you want to take advantage of it so in order to do that then you'll get the blessings of someone who's acquainted with further greater, greater acquaintance with with the name with shuddhanam so krishna can do anything but this is what he does Krishna, that's what he does. He gives himself to us through his devotee in the, in the, in the lineage, Guru Parampara. And under his or her guidance, and we chant and practice, cultivate the chanting. So outside of that, you will not have success. That's not possible. Because this is the way Krishna wants to do it. So there's a place for this. And you've understood it. That's why you're here, right? You've been... Listening to me for a couple of years now, two or three years, and and so um, I'm happy to honor your um, your sense that um, that I will be able to help you in this. And uh, the way in which we do that is that I have chanted on these beads. And then I will give you the beads, and then you will chant on the beads. And um, so you can all think now. You can pick a number, any number. Hmm. How many rounds you will chant every day? Hmm. And then you never go, never chant less than that. And as your taste for this and understanding increases, then you increase. So you pick a number. Yeah. Okay? Close your eyes. Pick a number. You have a number? Mm. You have one? Also? Okay. So don't tell anybody what that number is. That's your secret number. So when you're when you're when you're chanting sixty four, then then you don't go around and say, No, I'm chanting sixty four, just see who I am. No, not like that. <laughs> this is a private thing. Hmm? This is bhajan then. Nam bhajan. That's your private affair. It's to make you humble, not to make you proud. And it's not about counting. It's about chanting. So, you should chant, not count, but but you should chant at least a certain amount. So, and as the taste increases and your understanding, then you apply yourself more, chant more. And in the chanting, then, offenses should be avoided. There are, in, the, in the Puranas, there's some discussion of Of attitudes and whatnot that are not uh, that are um, are uh, unfavorable to the chanting you should be acquainted with those just like we cannot take the guru uh, lightly guru means heavy so how can you do that means that means heavy heavy with knowledge so don't take lightly even though the guru may appear light because he appears like us, he eats also, he takes rest and so forth. But you have to see with the philosophical eye. You know, if I travel with you and we hang out together, we want to thing. But if I sit here and talk, then some distance will be created, right? You'll see, he knows something. <laughs> and that's, uh, then I, then that thing is, I want to serve that thing, that, 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 uh, that understanding, that bhakti. So, so for example, then we don't, Disobey the good instructions of the guru or take his instructions lightly. And there are about a dozen or ten of these. You should be acquainted with them. But in order to av- avoid them, the main th- principle to avoid the me- method of what is to chant attentively. Sometimes it's given an eleventh one to chant in it without attention. So you have to practice. This is an, uh, uh, to pay attention. It's not something that you do well, driving to work or something like that. You can do that too, but the number that you picked, that doesn't count on, that doesn't count for that. That's to be done with attention. If you don't chant more than what's called nama Parad, then you won't get more than material benefit. You can go to heaven and so many things from just chanting without paying attention. But that's not much in our interest, is it? If you chant without any offense, but not purely, you can get mukti. And we've already heard that that's not very desirable either. So we want a shuddhanam, pure name. So it means Shudhanam, The basic idea is that you are chanting just for the pleasure of Krishna. That's all. I used to stand next to Prabhupada, my Guru Maharaj, when he would come to Los Angeles when I... Joined his mission years ago, I was in the Santa Cruz Mountains, and some devotees. I was chanting there, and some devotees of his mission found me. It's a long story, but anyway, they took me to Los Angeles to meet Prabhupada, and then I Prabhupada stayed there for three months, and then he went away, and he came back for three months. He did that for two or three years, so he would spend six months in Los Angeles, and so I was there during those years, and I would stand next to him whenever he gave the talk in the morning. I had my place, and no one, everyone, let me have that place by their kindness. I was to stand there. I stood there because I, we used to work pretty hard and sleep very little. I didn't want to fall asleep. I see you know, if you sit down, you might fall asleep. But it was too important. He's he's here. He's going to talk, and I'm going to listen. So, and then after every talk, and he would he would do, do kirtan for a few minutes. So I was standing there one morning, and and he was. Chanting and if he would chant we would respond. And a thought came to me, What do I know about this Krishna? It's it's so that's such a big topic. What do I know about that? Now he knows. He gets something out of this. He has some feeling for this. It's all emanating from him, this feeling for this, and we're all chanting because of that. Some he likes this. He's, so so let me chant just I just for his pleasure, and I was, at his, I was right next to his ear, like this far from his ear. So I was chanted, when I, this was my thought that came out, just chant, just to please him. He likes this name, Hare Krishna, this mantra, this noun mantra, so I was chanting. And I was like, had a direct shot into his right ear, I was, so I was chanting with this mood, right? And he turned to me and looked at me with really a big smile on his face, his eyes would sometimes light up like this. So I thought, I must be doing something right. And then the next morning after the class, what would happen after the class is that there would be a kirtan. Actually, he would have some leading devotee sing and then we would respond. So so at some of the leading devotees, they would sometimes have a little ego, who was gonna sing first, Who is gonna be the one that got to lead, you know. And so there was a little kind of a sort of a gentle scuffle of sorts. And so, who was going to sing there? I wasn't in the, in, involved in that. I was just a young, young, young monastic. And uh, and so anyway, Prabhupada turned to one of them. Started to sing. One of the sannyasis, one of the swamis. And then Prabhupada stopped and said, "No, let this boy sing." He sings very nicely. <laughs> I'm not a good singer anyway, but anyway, so he head's out. So, so everyone looked at who's he, nice sang. And then three mornings in a row, probably did the same thing. No, let him sing. Let him sing. So I understood from that: this is the mood which, with which you should chant this mantra for the pleasure of Krishna, for the pleasure of Guru. This is Shuddha Bhakti, hmm? not to get anything from them. And what can you bring them? What can you give them? What do you have? So you have your heart, you give your heart, sing to, for their, this Krishna Nam for their pleasure, this is the idea so, that will bring you good results, that will break, get the attention of this Rupa Shakti bless you you will you'll go and live in the midst of the, under that influence Naivim Prakriti, Mahasrita you'll become Mahatma, it means your soul will expand Mahatma, your soul heart will expand it's a giving by taking our heart and our consciousness contracts and by giving it expands it's very pragmatic you can understand that can try it this is the big giving here mm-hmm. give yourself to the Holy Name so um, then we have another kind of bead here also this is the neck beads as you can guess, they go around your neck. These are made of the sacred basil, Tulsi. Krishna is very fond of Tulsi. In fact, his place, Brindabhan, is named after her. Brinda is another name for, for Tulsi. The Rag name for Tulsi. Tulsi is a Vaikuntha name. So, you wear this around your neck. You always keep that on so that then people will see you and go, Oh, are you a devotee? And you go, "Oh, Oh, yeah, right. I'm a devotee and you know to remember that and talk about it it will protect you in that way that's the idea so okay come forward one by one I'll give you your beads good now you mentioned about Dharma also so there are things that are not conducive to your bhakti that are mentioned in the Bhagavatam for Kali Yuga So those things should be avoided. You you know what those things are, right? Just like, you know, you should not, you should be kind to to others, jiva, daya. You should, uh, so you should be, uh, you must be um, vegetarian. and, um, And you're already a little intoxicated with yourself, with a false sense of self, so don't take intoxication. On top of that, that will be even... More complicated, more com- complicate your situation that much more, and then, um, then you should have an honest kind of approach to life. You don't. Uh, you need to. You're uh, a family man, so you need to earn a living. So you have to have a, an honest means of livelihood. Not to make fast buck or try to, uh, like gambling or something like that. That's not good. You should be. A, Honest labor that's ethical, morally ethical and sound, and uh, that will help to purify your heart on some level. So, and then also, um, everyone is in this world is is attracted by, or how you say, um, uh, driven. The world is driven by the sex drive. We wouldn't be here without sex, right? Right. It's a strong Part of human life. <laughs> so, the, this, this urge, the sexual urge, it's very powerful. And so, it should be harnessed. I think everybody agrees with that, right? On some level, it should be harnessed. That's why you don't just jump on somebody at the mall or something because <laughs> you like those. On some level, everybody agrees it should be. So, we have a level also we think that it should be harnessed at, and that is that you, you, it should be. It should be applied in such a way, in, in the context of a commitment to a new partner, mm. as a way of uh, for intimacy and ultimately for for procreation as well, which would um, which usually, in the context of a relationship, causes the the sexual desire to diminish. It's you, you, that is transferred to children and so forth, for example. And uh so it's good married life is good for that, for helping to harness that. So think of those things, remember those things and um and you got your number, you chant on the beads and, um, and I'll give you a name. Das is the name. Now, das means servant and then servant of Krishna, so a name for Krishna. So your name is Gopananda. Gopananda Das. Gopa Ananda. <laughs> Krishna takes a lot of pleasure in the gopas, the gopa people. Ananda. That is, ananda means pleasure. Gopa means that those, all those, coward people, in Krishna's, lila. Gopa Ananda. He takes pleasure in them. They take pleasure in him. There, the, the pleasure of the gopas, that is the Ananda of the gopas. That is Krishna. You are his that das. That's the idea. Okay, come forward. So you understand? You sure? Okay. You agree with everything? Yes. <laughs> okay. So um, you have your number. Your name then is Gokulchandra. Chandra Das. Gokul, that is Krishna's place also. Gokul means like family, so Gokul, cow family, yes, cow people. Gokul, Chanda, Chanda means moon, so the moon of the cow people. That's another name for Krishna, servant of Krishna. Okay, so we're going around the world, Sweden, Poland... Italy and London okay come, come forward all done in Finland from America so it's a very whole world being covered here okay very good alright now these beads are gonna be replaced I'm gonna give you these beads then you chant on them and then when you come to our Daria, visit with me, I'll give you some other dates all right well, your name is gopesh Gopesh das Gopesh Isha means God so the god of the Gopas <laughs> another name for Krishna so you have any questions so now I ask all of you other assembled Vaishnavas and Vaishnavis, please give your blessing to these devotees, that they might progress in their spiritual life. Be kind to them on this day. And then Vigopada is going to conduct a homa, right? The outside, a fire. So we can all proceed there. See Harinam Prabhuki Jai. शिव गुरु परंपरा की जय जो इसी भक्ति विधांत स्वामी प्रोपा की जय शिव की रक्षक दादी गोस्वामी महाराज की जय